Good morning. This text raises a question. Who is Jesus? Is he a miracle worker, a teacher, a healer, a man who just says really nice things about who God is? As we follow the story of Jesus from Christmas time at his birth to his death on the cross at Easter and now into the life of the early church, we've been able to see a glimpse of who Jesus is. We've seen how his life intersects with other people in certain places as he touches their hearts. We see compassion, love, sacrifice, the Son of God incarnate who died for all of humanity. In the past few weeks, we've been learning about the early church. We've learned about the lengths that the disciples and their followers went to to spread the gospel. A couple weeks ago, we learned about how they were imprisoned. They were afraid for their safety and security. And even those who wanted to believe were unsure. Taking on the name of Jesus wasn't safe. It wasn't comfortable. It wasn't popular. But each encounter that people have with Jesus is life-changing. Last week, we watched as Saul, the person persecuting these new Christians, was transformed into Paul, the apostle. The intersection of Jesus' life with the lives of others transforms. But who is this Jesus that they are following? In John's Gospel, we see that the stories that John tells all lead back to this one thing, that Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus turned water into wine, showing just a small measure of his power to perform miracles. He cleanses the temple, declaring that it will no longer be a den of robbers showing his passion, his cause. He has come to change Jewish life forever. Jesus offers an adulterous woman living water. He healed the demon-possessed boy, a crippled man. He feeds 5,000 men and countless other women and children who aren't even mentioned in the text. He walks on water. Jesus has proved throughout his ministry that he's not just your average prophet or teacher. The combination of everything that he does must lead people to believe that he is the one to come. The Messiah has come to deliver his people. People begin to understand hope and begin to follow him, gathering around his feet as he teaches, hanging on his every word. They've seen the works of Jesus and they believe. Meanwhile, some of the onlookers are enraged. They believe that Jesus is possessed by a demon. They consider him crazy for saying that God has sent him to them. They consider stoning him several times, but are too fearful of the consequences. Overall, most of them just seem that, like they wish that Jesus would just go away, that he would stop talking, that people would stop talking about him and that the problem would just disappear. He was a nuisance to some of them. He was dangerous to others. Because to accept Jesus was to totally forgo everything they'd known about life before. Our text today from John 10 
is nested in the middle of all of these stories and in this bigger question of Jesus' identity. Jesus has recently healed a blind man, and the crowds are arguing amongst each other. Was Jesus sent by God, or was he a sinful deceiver? Could a man who is possessed heal a blind man? This was a question left unanswered for them. How were they to understand the identity of Jesus? In our text, they say to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. And regardless of their motive for saying this to Jesus, it's clear they still don't understand who Jesus is. They've seen all the great things he has done and is totally lost on them. They're completely dense, unaware, and confused. And Jesus' word reflects some kind of frustration. Jesus seems to have given up on them. He tells them, if you don't get it by now, what good is it to explain it to you again? Why would I bother if you've ignored all the great things I've done? Or maybe even better yet, he's telling them, if you don't understand that I'm the Messiah, then maybe you'll never get it. I picture Jesus starting to feel his blood boil as he grows angrier at this illogical kind of behavior. It's like when a child asks you why repeatedly, even though you've already answered their question, and so you try to tell it to them in different ways, hoping that they'll understand. And even though you've answered their question fully, and possibly several different ways, the question is still there. Why? It's like they're waiting for the answer to change to something that they expect, something they're comfortable with. And even if it's not reality, something that they can understand. But instead of inquisitive small children, Jesus is working with adults who should have been capable of choosing for themselves. The Jews, after seeing all of Jesus' miracles, and the relationships that he's built with his people should no longer question his identity. To Jesus, they're long past the point where questioning is acceptable. At the point of exhaustion with their foolishness, Jesus offers them an analogy that no one should be able to question. And his story goes like this. A shepherd is tending his flock, and a good shepherd will be known by his sheep. And a good sheep follows simply by the sound of the shepherd's voice. And in this relationship, both are known by each other. Both the shepherd and his sheep know the other by who they are and what they do. There's no question about the relationship. It just continues the way that it started. And for real sheep, the shepherd the voice will be known, and they will be in tune with his spirit. And the same way, Jesus says that if the Jews still do not believe anything he said or done, then they don't follow him. If a person is truly seeking to be a follower of Jesus, then they should already know. Those who are still debating whether to believe him or to follow the teachers of the law have already made their choice. They don't recognize Jesus as the Son or as the Messiah, and therefore they don't recognize the Father. 
and those who are among his sheep will gain eternal life, because that is what he offers. And Jesus brings with him the full power of his Father. No one can ever separate his power to offer salvation, because he and the Father are one. There is no question in this kind of relationship. Jesus is saying to them, either you get it or you don't. Either you embrace me as a follower, or you're a stranger to me. Jesus is saying, we're at that point where if you still are asking me, you obviously don't know me. His tone in the passage seems like someone who's given up trying to do something that won't work. He's saying, I don't know what else to tell you. You can believe me, or you can walk away. And it's your choice, but I've given you all the proof that I need to give you. You should know by now that I'm the Messiah. And when we're reading the text, it's really easy to be hard on the Jews. We can say, well, it's obviously too, they're just too simple. They don't have the kind of education that we do. Or we can say they were just too stubborn, and Jesus was too revolutionary for them. Or we can say, well, it's their tradition. It just gets in the way. But if we explain away all of this in the text, then we lose its full meaning. As John narrates the story of Jesus, both a question of his identity and a question of whether they are truly following him come up over and over again in every story that John tells. John isn't bashing the Jews. He's simply forcing every person who reads his story to wrestle with this question. Are you an onlooker or are you a follower? He's simply forcing them to answer. The first time he asks it, it's easy to explain away. Okay, well, the Jews haven't had an encounter with Christ yet. Of course they don't know who he is. But on the second or the third or the fifth time, it becomes silly for them to still be asking, Jesus, are you my Lord? Are you the one who has come to save us? With thousands of years between now and the time of Jesus, it's even easier for us to kind of bring up those same kinds of questions. Which, if you're in a room on a Sunday morning and it's not Christmas or Easter and you're here on a regular basis, then it's a pretty good chance that you've already kind of answered that question for yourself. Yes, Jesus is the Messiah. He is my Lord. He is my shepherd. But often we still ask questions like, are you sure God still cares about that? I mean, it was 2,000 years ago. Lots of things have changed in 2,000 years, so that probably doesn't apply to me anymore. Or, are you sure if I follow Jesus that I have to give up everything I have? Jesus wouldn't be bothered with how comfortable I am with this. Jesus would never ask me to give up any of that. That's actually one of the most dangerous statements to ever make. And when we're faced with that choice to follow him or walk away, we stand at that crossroads and ask, are you sure that that's you, Lord? And yet Jesus says, if you're one of my followers, you will know my voice. There will be no question 
which way he is leading. Because truly hearing his voice causes us to step out in faith. It causes us to say, I know you are my shepherd, and I am one of your sheep. And if you haven't chosen yet, I urge you to consider, are you an onlooker or are you a follower? Do you watch the story of Jesus as a bystander or do you jump in? If you're still considering how you're going to respond to Jesus, he would say, I've laid everything out for you plainly. You know exactly what you need to know. And now you must choose. Either you will be one of my sheep, or you won't. There's no sitting on a fence when it comes to this choice for Jesus. He knows his sheep, and they hear his voice. And as we work through the book of Acts, we see apostles and followers proclaim the name of Jesus in unsafe situations. We'll see as we go throughout the book There are followers who are stoned, beheaded, jailed for proclaiming the name of Jesus. We see a church that holds each other accountable and requires each other to resemble Christ. We've seen that knowing the truth propels them into action. It requires that followers touch the lives of the people around them. And in return, we see a promise for his sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And in our text this morning, we are faced with an answer to a seemingly unanswerable question. The sheep know the shepherd, and they will hear his voice. And when it comes to Jesus, followers will know exactly who they are following. He is the shepherd who will care for them and will guide their paths. And this is all they need to know. So let us pray. Dear Lord, we come before you this morning, and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the challenge that it issues. That you would not leave us where we are, but you would call us to become uncomfortable for you. That you would call us to follow you wherever that may lead, whatever that may look like. And that you have promised that we will hear your leading when we know you. And Lord, I pray that you would make us bold, make us people who are not afraid to follow, not afraid to listen, 
And I pray all of this in your name. Amen.